Welcome to the 130th edition of the Guna Podcast. This is your host, David Udo, and we're recording on the second Monday of September, in the midst of an international break. England will be kicking off in Switzerland whilst we're in the process of recording, whilst Arsenal's last outing was the away draw at Leicester City eight days ago. We'll start as usual with the panel intros. First up, as he gets older, he seems to be becoming gradually more tolerant of matters Arsenal-related, although he prefers to watch Grey Day matches in the pub rather than forking out £90 for a North Bank upper ticket these days. He was the man who called for Arsene Wenger's head in the autumn of 2001, just before the club went on a run of winning five trophies in four seasons, but also predicted Paul Gascoigne breaking his arm in the early 1990s. So, knee-jerk reaction idiot, or wise old soothsayer? Take your pick, because he's gracing us with his presence this evening. Hello to the Highbury spy himself, Mr Steve Ashford. Hello, and fancy digging that up. I've even forgotten I'd written that. Uh, next up, he has recently produced a third Arsenal book co-written with Alex Flynn, although it is his writing partner that has been tarting himself around various Arsenal podcasts to plug it. But naturally, the Guna podcast is the place where the co-author of Arsenal and Arsenal, The Quest to Rediscover Past Glories, can be found, because he's the editor of the fanzine that funds this podcast. One listener, a Mr Andy Marston, even emailed in to ask, why has Kevin stopped appearing on these podcasts? They lack a certain gravitas without him. The answer to that is that he fills in when we are short of panellists, so it's a warm welcome this evening to our utility man, Mr Kevin Witcher. Hello, and hopefully here with the required gravitas for Mr Marston. Thank you <laughs> This for is the first kind podcast I've been on with Kev. You are really? Yeah, yeah, no, no, I've never done no, a podcast before. No. You've always been hanging around, but here, never but actually but on the panel. I, I, I would dispute that, but uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to bother looking it up. I'm going to have to behave myself tonight. Oh. Uh, I want to see this in the comments section when this goes live on Thursday. <laughs> Last, but by no means least, a regular Guna contributor who's also been busy on the creative front in recent months, penning a book on Arsene Wenger's 50 defining fixtures, which we, will sh- which, which we shall doubtless chat about later in proceedings as half the reason he is here to garner publicity for the book. Aside from that, as a jobbing journalist, he writes for the Evening Standard and other organs, whilst interviewing ex-players and other football faces for the Guna. His boundless enthusiasm, as opposed to the usual demeanour of a hackneyed journo, always yields highly readable results. He's been on the podcast one before last season, and we are sure he will return again before too long. So welcome back, Mr Laith Youssef. Thanks for having me. Can I just say I'm honoured to be in the presence of such Guna royalty as well. So <laughs> thanks for that. You don't, don't have to brown nose. We'll have you back. It'll be fine. Check us in the post. <laughs> so, Jets, this is the first time we've met up since, uh, well, the end of last season. There's plenty to talk about. So let, let's kick off with uh, our reflections on the individual buys during the summer transfer window. Uh, Mr Ashford, your thoughts on our, uh, our new centre, well, centre forward, right player, who knows, Alexis Sanchez. Well, my thoughts on him, until very recently, were that he's not a centre-forward. I thought against Besiktas, got that winner, and thank God he did. Um, paid a huge chunk of his transfer fee off by scoring that winner. But to be honest, I don't really see him as a striker. I'm glad we signed Welbeck. Um, I think we'd have been very short up front, especially with Drew getting injured. Um, I dare say that um, Sanchez could have you know, tucked in and kind of doubled up as a striker and for a short period but I don't think that's his best position so glad we signed him good player but I think we got to yet to see the best of him and I really don't see him as a striker OK um, any ideas where else he's going to play? on the right I think on the, on the, I see him as a really, from what I've seen so far he looks a lot better on the right wing attacking getting the balls in cutting in shooting on his you know on his better feet but no, I just don't see him as a, as a striker at all. But certainly one of the front three, definitely. Okay. Um, well, uh, moving back, um, obviously Bakary Sanya left us and went to Manchester City. And um, although we, we were linked with um, oh, uh, that Ivorian guy playing for um, uh, Social or Toulouse, we ended up going for uh, Mathieu Debouchy. How do you feel about him, Mr. Youssef? Yeah, I'm very pleased with that signing. Um, if you look at Didier Deschamps, French manager, he chose Debouchy over Sanya for the World Cup. That says a lot, really. I'm, I'm very pleased. Obviously, it had been great to keep Sanya, but I interviewed um, Perry Gross for the Guna earlier in the summer, and um, he basically said, hopefully Sanya will be the last Arsenal player who leaves for, for better money, basically, somewhere else. So I've, I've, we've interviewed um, a few Geordie fans over the years, and um, I talked to a guy from True Faith, the True Faith fanzine um, last season, and basically he was singing to his praises even then, and he's, he's always been a very consistent performer, so I'm very pleased we've got him, to be fair. 
Good. Should never be sent off against Besiktas, should he? No, terrible no, yeah, sending off. Yeah. Referee got that totally wrong. Yeah. And I thought, you know, the referee didn't give them a couple of penalties, which you know another ref might have done. But by and large, in the second half, he was really against us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Every tackle the book came out, and we were hanging on for dear life at the end. Yeah. Of what we were, when when Tabushi got sent off. Mm-hmm. Very harsh sending off that was. Oh, my nails disappeared in the last <laughs> few minutes of that game, I can guarantee. Um, Kevin, uh, the other one of our five signings we've seen play so far is, uh, is Callum Chambers. What are your thoughts on him? I think uh, the crowd have obviously taken to him because of his commitments. And uh, um, he, he, he reminds people a bit of um, <clears throat> a young Tony Adams in the way that he's barking orders. I see a little bit of uh, going further back, a little bit of Bobby Moore in him because of the. I think I mean, although he does make mistakes, yes, he, he's, he's very young, and the crowd are going to forgive him for that. Um, he does also seem to read uh, the game quite well, uh, so I think he's got a natural intelligence for uh, the game, and um, there is a feeling that he is going to become an Arsenal great and. Uh, He's just, he's, he's just so young at the moment that we, we don't want to burn him out. You know? He looks like an older player, doesn't he, Kev? looks like yeah, an older player. He does look more mature. When he, when he came on against Besiktas on that right wing, <laughs> as right back, when Debussy went off, we brought him on as, as, as right back. We'd never seen him play at right back before. And it was like an old experienced player was coming on to shore up the defence, mm. not a young kid. And he was leaping into tackles, sliding into tackles getting down the wing, getting crosses in, telling the other defenders what to do. He was absolutely brilliant. And he certainly looks a lot older than 19 when he plays. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, yeah. we're all, none of us are getting any younger, but I remember yeah. Tony Adams' debut against Sunderland in, was it 82, 83, 83, 84? We lost 2-1, but he came on as a 17, 18 run. He was telling players where to go. He was yeah, telling yeah. Um, David O'Leary where to go. He was telling everyone. Yeah. You're right, Callum Chambers, there's echoes of that. Yeah. There is, definitely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Are we not slightly going overboard about Mr Chambers, though? This man who's played less than 30 <laughs> games as a professional, he's ended up in the England squad already. Do you know I what? I think we've all had enough experience of watching football matches over the years to spot a good player no matter how old he is. <clears throat> I think with Chambers you just know you've got a real talent on your hands there. And it's definitely a case of it doesn't matter how old you are, it's how good you are. And he is good. Yeah, yeah, yeah and I think he, he's also adding something to the team which I don't think we've seen enough of mm. lately. It's difficult to put your finger on exactly what if I was to try and put it in a word I'd say spirit mm-hmm. um, you know he does really look like he wants to win football matches and he wants to win his one-on-ones as well um, I mean I think his timing a lot of the time is very very good for one that is so young at the same time you know he's made some pretty high profile gaffes mm-hmm. the worst one was at Leicester when he dived in and they yeah. should have taken a 2 yeah. one so he's still learning and I think that's understood by everybody that's why no one is, is, is having a go at him for his mistakes mm. because he has been thrown in at the deep end but as I say you know we, we just got to be a little bit wary of overplaying him um, because you, we've seen what's happened I mean someone like Wayne Rooney is an example of a a player who's overplayed in the first five years of his career, mm-hmm. and he, he, he's never never been as good. And there's an argument that maybe Jack Wilshere may have gone down that road as well, mm-hmm. um, simply because he did play a hell of a lot, partly through his own faults. He continued playing when he shouldn't have, and um, we wait to see if he'll ever fulfil his promise. So um, I, I hope he's used selectively um, I don't think it would be a good idea for him to play every game this season mm. um, I think against Leicester when when Wilshere was left out of the side and Ramsey played in midfield we, 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 we always thought when Ramsey didn't have a good game with Wilshere everyone said oh Ramsey and Wilshere can't play together so he didn't play with Wilshere against Leicester and Ramsey still didn't have a good game so maybe that's encouraging maybe they can play together maybe Ramsey's just going through a spell of temporary bad form yeah, I, I agree with you both. Going back to Callum Chambers, the only sort of note of caution I would say was um, I was at the charity shift, community shift, or you want to call it these days, and um, Jacko sort of eased past him. Mm. And Jacko's not really renowned for his pace, so mm. whether he's got you know the pace at that level is, is a different yeah. matter. But then Bobby yeah. Moore didn't have pace, Tony Adams yeah. didn't really have pace, so yeah. 
Yeah. Well, it took um, a very, very cruel lesson from Marco Van Basten for um, yeah, Adam to learn yeah, yeah. it's yeah. okay to stand off centre forwards if they're <laughs> going to be that good, you know. But yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, another signing which you haven't seen anything of um, is David Espina, our new goalkeeper. Open table. Any thoughts on Mr. Espina? Played well in the World Cup. Played very well in the World Cup. In fact, he's the kind of keeper you're watching in the World Cup and you're thinking, wish he was an Arsenal player. But I really can't see how he's going to dislodge Chesney. I think Chesney's going to be there for the long term. So well, it's going to be difficult to get him in the first team. I, I'm not sure. I mean, Wenger has dropped Chesney before. Um, he's, he's dropped Lehman. Um, so he's not, he's not worried about dropping keepers. Uh, I suspect that um, he will get opportunities. I suspect he will obviously play against... Capital One Cup. Yeah, I mean, that's, a, that's a no-brainer. Um, it's whether or not he, he's also given a bit of a run out in Europe. Perhaps if there's a game which Wenger feels might be um, a little easier, maybe against Anderlecht or someone, he might give Ospina his chance then. But uh, I mean, it is important to have good backup, and I think mm. he's, for me, as one who was never convinced by Fabianski. Mm. And let's face it, he did win the FA Cup final. But look at the, what he did in the last. <laughs> well, I, thought, I, I actually thought that was a mistake because I think if Chesney had been in goal in the, in the FA Cup final, maybe one, if not two, of those first two whole goals would have gone in. I think he would have saved. Yeah, at least, at least Chesney will have a go at dominating his area now, yeah. uh, even if he gets it wrong occasionally. But Fabianski will never manage to do that really. Um, so a better backup in, in, in that sense. And um, how long is he going to be prepared to play? Well, I think one of the things about the Premier League now is the wages are of a level whereby there are some keepers who will will simply accept being number two, especially if they are going to get some games in the cup. Mm. I mean, you know, it's um, he was awesome at Nice, wasn't he? Whenever he did play, they never went, they never won. I I don't know enough about the guy to be honest. I mean, obviously, whenever he missed a game through injury, they either drew or lost. As soon as he came back, they won again. Mm -hmm. Whether that's coincidence, but he was a real talisman for them. It's it's nice to have an international goalkeeper as a second choice. Yeah, I interviewed um, Sol Campbell during the summer for the Standard, and um, he was raving about a Mexican keeper, Ochoa, his name was, and he basically went into a five minute stream of consciousness about why Wenger should buy these players. And he had a good tournament, but he was a free transfer as well. It's always interesting to sort of realise the rationale behind why they signed someone, just like that Italian keeper last year. Who never, um, you know, never surfaced once really. So <laughs> I just don't know where they get the ideas from to sort of buy players. It's great that Chesney's obviously going to have someone challenging him, but yeah. it was pretty left field for me buying someone like that. But yeah. well, I don't think it's a sheer coincidence that he's playing for a French club. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, Graham Carr normally snaps up these days, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the the last one we made at uh, the very very last minute, as we all found out through Jim White on transfer deadline day, was a. Uh, was Danny Welbeck. Uh, Mr. Ashford, what do you think about Mr. Welbeck? Well, I'm not just saying this. <laughs> I'm not just saying this. I've always been a fan. Okay. Whenever, whenever I watch England play, and I do go to the occasional England game, um, whenever I watch them play... On hospitality. On hospitality. <laughs> yeah, I hasten to <laughs> From the bar. <laughs> but I've always been impressed with Welbeck. He seems to play better for England than he did for United. Um, but still on the left. I've, only, I've ever seen him play through the middle since his Sunderland days mm. when he was on loan there. But the talent that that guy's got, the pace, the talent, the power, sometimes the ball seems glued to his foot. And with Thierry Henry being his hero, and with him saying that he, he always saw himself playing for Arsenal, he said the right things. Yeah. Um, he seems like an intelligent, level-headed guy. Seems quite good friends with the other Arsenal England players. You know, I, I, I'd much rather have had him than, than Lloyd Remy. Mm. I think he's a good player as well but no, I think good things about Welbeck I think we're going to really go, go with good form with him I'm, up front I'm so glad you said that because I don't want to get on the wrong side of you because no, no, um, no, I no. actually love Welbeck I yeah. think he's great yeah. Um, yeah. I was looking at some stats the other day and Henri had 20 odd goals in 90 league games for Monaco right. you know, Welbeck's got pretty much the same record uh, 30 and 142 games I think it is. yeah yes yeah, so obviously yeah, slightly less and mm. with more games but at the same time the principle is Wenger can develop players to you know, be centre forwards. There's one of them there, but back in the background, <laughs> yeah. the sounds of it. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, basically, I, I'm, I'm really excited. I interviewed um, 
Patrick Barclay and um, the good and the kind who read tweet, tweet. He loves him, doesn't he? Yeah, he, he absolutely him. loves him. Yeah, and he I said, him. I talked to him in January and I said, you know, who would, if you were Arsenal Wenger, who would you sign now in January yeah. 2014? He said, Danny Welbeck. Very skillful, great attitude, yeah. and a really good player. So, yeah, I'm, I can't wait to see him. Well, and obviously, well, like, well, like well, 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 after well. the transfer deadline day, uh, the, the last Tuesday, Patrick Barclay was on and they were talking to him about all the United signings. They were talking about all of them, you know, about. Um, you know, the big striker they'd signed all that money for, Falcao. Oh and then right at the very end, Patrick Barkley said to the journalist that was interviewing him on talks about, aren't you going to ask me about uh, Danny Welbeck then? And his Scottish accent, which I can't do. <laughs> it was and, um, sitting next to me then. <laughs> yeah. And um, the fellow said, okay, what do you think of Welbeck? He said, the signing of the summer. Patrick Barkley. Yeah, that's what he said. But he, he said, said he would do brilliant at Arsenal. I went to a Q&A with Patrick Barkley in January and he said the, well, do you know who he said the most wanted player in this summer's transfer window is going to be because he's the best player and people don't give him the credit that he's due? Yeah. Seamus Coleman, oh. <laughs> who's still at Everton, such is my understanding. I do oh. remember him saying that. Now, quick, quick, quick question. Does Patrick Barkley if not support Arsenal, favour Arsenal. Does he like Arsenal? Do you think? I, I, I actually, I shouldn't be saying this, but I met him at the standard Christmas party last yeah. year. And, um, yeah. I'm not sure if the fact he's saying this, but he he he, is, is, he respects Arsenal greatly. Yeah. Obviously, he's written a book on Herbert Chapman. He's got yeah. a lot of time of for. That's why I forgot that. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got a lot of time for the history, the traditions, the just the class of Arsenal Football Club. I, yeah. I wouldn't say he's a supporter, and I don't want to get in trouble by saying no, that, no. but he's certainly got a massive respect for Arsenal Football yeah. Club, but along also, with every other club in the league. I've had to do also than maybe Chelsea. I couldn't possibly comment, but I mean, he's, um, he's written a book on Jose Mourinho as well, so oh. take it how you, oh. how you want to take it, but Confident he has got massive respect for oh, um, Arsenal Football Club, Brilliant. for a fact, so yeah. Going back to Danny Welbeck, Mr Witcher, um, well, what do you think? Are you happy with him? I'm happy with signing somebody, starters. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> did look for a while like uh, Arsene was going to progress with Yaya Sanogo um, with his absolute love of developing young players uh, almost as if he wanted to prove a point mm. I felt fortunately I think that the Leicester game came just at the right time and um, long or short of it is that uh, the um, performance there probably tipped the balance because Yaya didn't play at all well that day mm -hmm. and um, I mean I think Welbeck is just a matter of getting a few goals and um, once he's done that uh, you could get right in the groove um, pause so basically I think um, Welbeck I'm optimistic he can work out. I, I, I have always had doubts about him. You know, I've always thought of him as a misser of chances. But I think I've, I've... There was that stat that actually said in terms of minutes on the pitch he was actually quite efficient last season. Now, was that because he was coming on as a sub when other teams were tired and scoring late goals for Man United? I'm not sure. But, um, I mean, he certainly... Was he in the same situation at United as Jack Wilshere is at Arsenal? Well, Why, was he taken for granted there? Was he not performing to the best of his ability he, for whatever he, reason? He was never. I'm not sure. He was. He was the first choice player for a while, but I think he just. He just. He just fell out of favour. Um, I'm not sure. I mean, he, he seems to have been around forever. Mm. That's the funny thing about him. He's only 23, but to me, well, he went on loan at Sunderland, and he played yeah. up. He played up front at Sunderland, mm. and he, he did do very well there as a striker. Mm. I remember being impressed with him there. But um, we all knew he was going back to United. I think. I mean, I think the key thing will be we'll be playing against the big teams. He'll get the chances Giroud has got before, and we'll see if he puts them away. Um, he's certainly got more pace. Um, could be scoring for England while we speak well he could be but I suspect yeah. the other thing is it would be a bit more on the floor with him I, I'm not sure we'd be he's, he's not well, I like that I like that because mm. because Giroud's got no pace on the floor yeah. he's got, he can't, you, you can't see Giroud on one-on-one -on -one taking the ball round a player beating him for pace and scoring mm. Giroud's goal is all headers or getting on the end of crosses he's never, I don't think he's ever made a goal for himself like by beating a player for, for pace or speed, mm. Welbeck will do that, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, <coughs> we, needed, we needed someone. Yeah. Even, even if Giroud was still fit, 
We needed someone. I think they'll be great together, Welbeck and Giroud, if Wenger ever plays 4 4 2. Oh, I don't think that'll happen. <laughs> I think it'll be, but one of them will come on as a sub. Yeah. Um, but even if we're chasing the game, to have those two together yeah. would be brilliant. Yeah. yeah. What I'm looking forward to is um, to see our Walcott coming back, feeding oh, and out wide. I mean. I can't wait. We, we really we were rocked by him oh, in last we, season. We've not been the same. Yeah, we've not been the same team. If he's fit and firing with uh, you know potentially Sanchez and um, mm. Welbeck, then I think we've got a very good forward line, very good attacking yeah. teams basically. So yeah, yeah. yeah. There's another thing you pulled me up on as well, Dave, because I always said Walcott would never make it. <laughs> so so publicly in front of all the Arsenal fans. I hereby apologise. <laughs> I got it wrong. Walcott is brilliant. Good on you. Yeah. Are those five players we bought, um, are they enough? Or with a supposed £65 million minimum unused, should we have done more? I mean, you guys touched on earlier about Falcao at United. Sorry, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, do we really want to be paying three hundred and sixty grand a week to someone who's had three serious knee injuries who's... You know, it's not particularly mobile. You know, we've obviously got a lot of money now, and it's great, but we don't want to go crazy. Leeds United got in the semi-finals of the Champions League. Look at them, you know, mm. three or four years later. Mm. We still have got that budget that, you know, we're not going to go crazy about, which which I think is a good thing. Yeah, I do. And we're lauded for it around the world because of it as well. And it's obviously they, 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 you could you could argue to the cows come home about the fact we should have spent more money in the past, certainly on particular transfer deadline days and things like that. But at the same time, I think we need to be lauded for what we're doing. Mm. Yeah, because if, 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 we, if we'd have paid Falcao 300 grand a week and yeah. we could have afforded it, yeah. Ozil would have wanted 200 grand. Well, that's well, yeah, 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 yeah. All yeah. the other players would want parity, Ramsey would want that money. Yes, but we, we, we didn't need necessarily <clears throat> to use that money for Falcao. No, we, we, we have to accept the reality here. How many defenders are in the squad? Six. How many positions are there? Phil? Four. Four. Right, do the maths. <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? Obviously, the plan is to use Flamini as an emergency fullback um, on either side, presumably. There's a bit of thinking there. However, if you've got two centre backs injured, you're down to uh, presumably. Hayden, Hayden Chambers. Well, I, I don't count Hayden as a first team squad player. Well, I'm not they... sure. Do you have to be registered to play? It's only Europe that you have to be registered as a 25-man squad. Is the Premier League any different? I think I think it is because you do have to name a 25-man yeah. squad in the Premier League. So but presumably you can have use on top of that. I'm not sure. Right. Well, anyway, I, if we're getting down to using Hayden in first-team matches in the Premier League, we're in shit street. What about okay? Jamie, that guy from Charlton that we paid two million for? Who? Semi Soji Ajay, is it? Semi Ajay. Came from Charlton. How old is he? 21, I think. Really? Maybe slightly younger. Maybe 20. He's, well, yeah. yeah. He's, he's not 16. Of. No, highly thought of. A well, I'll, I'll, I'll wait and see if he's in the uh, first team squad picture before I'm convinced he's going to be taking any part <laughs> in anything but the Capital Cup game. Um, so, I mean, yeah, there are, there are areas of the squad which are too light on numbers in which, with the money Arsenal have got, there is no reason they could not have been covered. It, it worries me greatly that we're going to play Man City this weekend, um, and we still haven't got that powerful, rampaging, you know, powerful defensive midfielder in the Vieira mould. I know Vieira's, you know, don't grow on trees, but there are players out there that would have improved what we've got. Mm. Arteta's great, love Arteta, but I don't see him as a defensive midfielder. When he signed for us, he played behind the front too. He was an attacking midfielder. We turned him into that. Um, Diaby, if he was fit, would play that role brilliantly, but he's never fit. And Flamini, good, but not brilliant. I mean, I don't see from last year, Chelsea, Liverpool, Man City, when we got thrashed. I don't see anything changing this year, as far as the defence is concerned, because that player hasn't been bought. And he should have been. Mm. Yeah, I, I hasten to add. I, mean, I was talking purely about attacking players. I think you're right. Yeah. Both right. We do need certain um, defensive reinforcements. Definitely. It was interesting that um, Wenger let um, Ignacio Miguel go as well. Yeah. So he obviously didn't didn't rate yeah. him long term either. So yeah, I, I definitely think we need to um, strengthen defensively. But although yeah. Miguel was on loan at Leicester for all the yeah, last yeah, yeah. Once they go on loan, it's very rarely they come back and. And played the first one, obviously, you know, well, she went to Bowen, but apart from that, I can't mm. think of too many. So. I mean, that Blaise Matuidi that played for France in the World Cup, great player, plays for PSG, out of favour up there. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was rumours that a good bid would have, would have got him. I'd have him tomorrow. 
Well, you, you, uh, when they were uh, parading the World Cup around Germany and uh, Sammy Kadira was interviewed, Podolski lent into the mic and said, Arsenal, Arsenal, come to Arsenal. So yeah, yeah. maybe there was a room, well, there was some truth behind that room and we're in for him, but who knows. Yeah. Jim, what, what player would you have preferred in, in that role, in that defensive midfield role? Yeah, because only one you can think of that we could. Well, I, I would have gone for Pogba, Pogba at the start mm. of the summer myself mm. before the World Cup. Don't, I mean, he's an obvious Wenger type player. Yeah, yeah. That, that was a real dereliction of duty from Alex Ferguson letting him go to Juventus in the first place. Oh, yeah. Time yeah. Mm. You wouldn't want Alex on back, I suppose. No. Well, in terms of. I mean, I, I see what you're saying, but at the same time, is, is he better than Arteta? Probably, yes. Yeah, I mean, probably, role. and also he can play centre back. Yeah. So much is, I mean, the reason Song isn't isn't being invited back is because of the way he left. I mean, mm. apparently there were huge attitude problems towards the end. Mm. Um, and one suspects, I mean, we'll get on to Sesk, but there may be an element of that there as well. But uh, if you want to cover two positions, you could do a lot worse than Song. Mm. The yeah, thing is, would it. Song's pride allow him to come back? to a team where maybe he won't necessarily be guaranteed to start, which I'm sure he will at West Ham. Um, having said that, he would have got used to being on the bench at Barcelona, <laughs> so um, my suspicion is if he was rewarded appropriately, he would, he would take the money. Yeah. Um, but I think the bridges were burnt when he left, and yeah. um, there's no going back. Do you see Jack as a defensive midfielder? Well, I can see him being played there when... I mean, the thing is, uh, the, the other question is, are Arsenal playing... Because someone is of the opinion, we are not playing uh, the same formations last season. And I put this on the, my new Twitter account as a question. <laughs> You've got a Twitter account, Kevin. I'm afraid I had to. <laughs> I had to. Um, in fact, I tweeted you about uh, half an hour ago to ask where the hell you were. Uh, <laughs> as I couldn't DM you because we're, um, we're not uh, following each other at this point. Oh, make sure we that. <laughs> um, but anyway, the long and short of it is this uh, particular correspondent thought last season we were playing 4 2 3 1. And now they think we're playing 4-1-4-1. So we basically, he's of the opinion that we're pushing a midfield player forward uh, a lot more. Now I think it's a lot more fluid. I think what's happened is that when Ramsey hasn't played, Wilshire may have pushed on a bit more than Ramsey would have at certain times in the game. Uh, whereas Ramsey is a bit more defensive-minded in terms of position, I think. Um, so that may be... Uh, a possible explanation why we're not looking quite as defensively solid. I'm not sure we have changed formation. The, the two, to, to me, the two deeper players are always Ramsey alongside Arteta, mm. and I think Wilshire alongside Arteta is basically a similar thing. Except Jack is a bit excitable and goes forward a bit too much sometimes, and, and we we have gaps there. So I think Jack's a better player going forward. Jack's a better player in the attacking third. So of the are you going to play him in the hole behind the striker? I, I wouldn't play Jack in a defensive role in any shape or form. Right. His talents going past players and releasing forwards. I think it's wasted when he does that too deep. Yeah, and it's interesting what you touch on about that four-one-four-one. Yeah, yeah. four, one. I contributed to a, an article on that for Standard, basically. Yeah, it is four-two-three-one dead, basically. Yeah. Do we need two defensive midfielders at home? Sometimes? Yeah, we don't. And I think Jack. It, it, Ultimately, hopefully, Wenger sees him as more of an attacking forward. Yeah. Obviously, you could argue his ankle was sort of kept him back and yeah. in terms of always pushing on. You, you look at youngsters, you look at anyone who plays football, your first touch is always to push the ball on. Mm. And that's what Jack does. But basically, I, I don't know if he's... He never had great pace, but he's lost a yard mm. of pace mm. at the moment because of injuries. Hopefully, he'll regain that. But mm. he always looks to push on. And, you know, as a defensive midfielder, I think he's, we lose some of his talents doing that. Yeah, so, I think yeah. so as well. Okay. But uh, it's difficult to fit them all in, then. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to play Wilshire... Up, you know, in the hole, as it were, then you're going to have to drop someone. Um, see, see, I don't yeah. see Jack playing every every match anyway. Because well, I fitness. don't think he's he's a first team pick at the yeah. moment. If you're going to pick eleven players, yeah, you know, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, Ramsey and Arteta are the two more holding players. I mean, he's playing Ozil out on the left now. So, for the sake of argument, Cazorla is now the man behind the striker. And Ozil's not going to be typical dropped. Finger, though, round, you know, square pegs and round holes. Well, this is this is it. But I mean, in a way, the four-two-three-one formation, or whatever you want to call it, almost demands that of players because you can't, you almost can't have wingers, almost can't have wingers in that formation because 
you, you, if you have wingers, you've only got two guys in the middle, and one of them's holding back anyway. One of them's Dennis Bergkamp. Um, I mean, when was the last time Arsenal really played with wingers anyway? Yeah. yeah so where does that leave someone like? Um, we sometimes do when we're chasing the game, and we get and we and we just put all the forwards on the pitch. And yeah. I think we always look brilliant when we do but, that. But you know, you've got this. What I'm trying to get at is, you've got this kind of midfield player now, attacking midfield player who doesn't have a position. Yeah. You know, who I mean, the way Arsenal play, they're just all over the shop anyway. The idea of Ozil being a wide player is ridiculous. Mm. He isn't a wide player, but in a way, the formation dictates that you're going to have that kind of player playing to the left of your. I reckon, your I reckon Ozil's going to get severely pissed off. If we carry on playing him out wide, right. oh, well, I mean, apart from anything else, he's been asked to do defensive work. Yeah. And, and, you know, Why don't we just say stop the defensive work, just sit there on the striker, play, play in the well, hole, that, that is and the put question, everyone yeah. through? That yeah. is the question. So, why is Cazorla playing there instead of Ozil? Yeah. Well, Cazorla's good at it. Yeah, yeah Cazorla is, but wouldn't. I mean, the point is, have we got a left sided player who can actually help the left back? Yes or no? Podolski ain't going to do it, is he? Yeah, I mean the only one I could see doing it is if you switch Sanchez over there. Mm. You know, I, he he will track back and help his defender, but Ozil's not going to do it. Cazorla's not going to do it. Podolski's not going to do it. Um, I'm running out of names now to mm. people playing. <laughs> I mean, the Ox could in theory play over that flank and defend a bit. I'm not convinced about him on the left but so much. I like what you're saying about the you know tactical formations are fluid. Basically, it's so true. I mean, you can say it's four two three, and you say four one four one. Anything you want, basically. I saw that Chile team play at Wembley last November, and they were switching. They did three different formations first half mm. alone. They were they were far above England's level, basically. Yeah. And it's, it's just about intelligent footballers. You're dead right, actually, because why can't you switch formation during a match? Yeah, to confuse the other team. Yeah, you don't need to look at the bench just to go. Yeah. Well, yeah, actually, you know, mm. I'm going to sort of you know mm. come inside a bit or you know whatever. So yeah. well, that that is what Arsenal uh, aspire to do, yeah. and in a way, they're they're trying to imitate Barcelona. With that as well, and Barcelona were based originally on the Dutch idea of total football mm. anyway, because it was Johan Cruyff who really got the modern Barcelona yeah. clicking, as it were. Absolutely. So yeah, I mean the thing is that you've got to have the players to to do it, and the understanding to do it, and the brilliance to do it. And, and at times Arsenal falls short. If you're going to do that, and you've got Yaya Sonogo as one of your link men, you're going to have problems. <laughs> So, you know, you have to have the quality of personnel, which we did have in the days when we were winning trophies. Well, I just worry that he's going to play Wilbeck on the left, you know, and still Sonogo up the front somewhere. <laughs> well, this is a big question. I mean, yeah. assuming that the defence, and uh, as we've spoken about previously, the Arteta Ramsey axis picks itself, who do we think that Wenger's four attacking selections are going to be when everyone's fit? Or is that literally a $64,000 question now? Take well, I'll, I'll go yeah. first. I will say uh, Oza will play. I will say Alexis Sanchez will play. You'll have Theo playing, and you will have Welbeck. I will put Welbeck. I think Welbeck will start ahead of Giroud because I think, as much as anything, of the type of football that that combination will play, which is based on through balls and someone getting on the end of them. Because I mean, in, uh, when Giroud is playing, Oza almost has one less option. If you think about it, mm. um, so I, I think those would be the four. Yeah, I agree. To be honest, I can't see I can't see beyond that. Sanchez, Welbeck, Ozil, and Walcott. And when Walcott's injured, then probably the Ox. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was going to mention him basically. I mean, depending on what system you play, if you're talking about a midfielder who plays central, where I'm sure we were all at that Palace game last year at home, he was he had an absolute stormer that day through the middle. He did, didn't he? Yeah, and if he, if that's a level that Wenger thinks he can play at every yeah. week, then you know, I'd, I'd say it's no brainer to play him in the middle, basically. But, yeah. Oh, I agree. Yeah, he kind of lost lost his way a bit this year. Yeah, he did. Yeah, and he was, he was, although admittedly before the World Cup, I thought he was you know looking yeah. good for England anyway. And he played well in that lucky. friendly against. Who was that one? We drew two two, and he got injured. Yeah, it was, was it Ecuador or Honduras. He played well against those Peru two, at Wembley, it? and then the, the two friendlies. Yeah, he hasn't really played well since then, has he? No, Neither no. us or England. Yeah, I I sometimes wonder whether his injuries have caught up with him a bit. But you know, I hope he recovers from them. Yeah. Well, gents, with all these players and all these players we've brought in as well, um, the big question, can Arsenal win the title with the squad they have now? Any of you? No. No. Okay. Are you being <laughs> Juicy, 1,000%, in the words of Simon Cowell, no. <laughs> Not in a month of Sundays. Do you know what? We'll be lucky to finish fifth. Well, that's, that's, that's going to be the next question. We're <laughs> fighting to finish fourth. Okay. Without Welbeck, I would say we ain't going to finish fourth. 
I don't think we're in the same league as Man City and Chelsea mm. in terms of squad and defensive players and defensive midfielders and dare I say even strikers then you've got Liverpool who spent 150 million in the summer mm. on some very very good players and they started with Sturridge and Sterling um, Lambert's a great player Lallana's a great player um, so that's the three United have spent 300 million since last January mm-hmm. they're not going to be down there in eighth for very much longer Spurs are a threat with a new manager up and coming I thought Everton might be a threat but I'm not so sure now I haven't seen them this season but are we going to finish seventh now? <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think realistically we're going for fourth with Liverpool um, and Man United I would agree in terms of Chelsea and Man City looking far superior to us yeah. Obviously, as an Arsenal fan, I'm you know, a journalist, but I, I, I would never credit Spurs with anything. No, no I, I, I don't make them at all no. as a team, as a squad, as a club, but obviously you didn't hear me say that. No. Um, basically, Liverpool, I, I've got a lot of respect for Liverpool's club, as City, as uh, mm. you know, what they've gone through. Brendan Rodgers, I wasn't sure to start with when he took over, especially with that documentary, he was a bit sort of David Brentish, but his mm. tactics are actually quite good. Mm. Um, I just think they might struggle in terms of extra games this season, Liverpool. Mm. So that might be. It'll be interesting how that weighs on their um, on their squad. Mm. But yeah, I, I'd say third or fourth for us again. Chelsea, yeah. Man City. Admittedly, Chelsea, um, Man City lost to Stoke the other week, but they, they look far ahead of us at the moment, which is which is quite disappointing to say that in early yeah. September, basically. But it's worrying, isn't it? If, yeah. if we'd have spent the remaining money that we had in the transfer, the so-called hundred million transfer war chest. Mm-hmm. If we had another centre half, a defensive midfielder, maybe another winger or whatever, you know, I'd be saying, yeah, we're up there. We're up there with City. If we if we had Jovetic instead of them, and if we had Company instead of them, and if we had Yartore <laughs> instead of them, mm. I'd be saying, yeah, we'd be up there instead of City. We could we must be able to find three similar players for sixty odd million somewhere in the world. That money wasn't spent, was it? Well, yeah. But so I, we're destined yeah. to finish fourth. Kev, I've got two people doing an impression of Fraser from Dad's Army saying we're doomed, we're doomed. Surely you think we're going to win the league comfortably, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you don't call the men in white coats. Uh, <laughs> I concurred with that. So, I mean, it just comes down to two simple things. We haven't got enough um, depth at the back and we haven't got enough quality to protect the back four in front. Um, we're just lacking so we, we we might not have won the league if we had spent the money but it would have given us a better chance and um, I don't really see the point in it sitting in the bank interest rates aren't very high um, are we are we are we, are we going to kind of like take this out on Wenger at some stage <laughs> are we going to say he should have spent the extra money well, I mean, yeah, obviously. If you let the fans down? Yes, I mean, well, what because was the point? Because to be fair, Wilbeck was a very last-minute signing. Well, if the United other... said, no, we're not selling him to Arsenal, we'd have been fucked. There's this Miles Palmer and Arsenal News, News Review suggesting that Sir Welbeck is not dissimilar to the Arshavin purchase in that Wenger wasn't particularly interested and that perhaps it was more of a board buy than a manager buy. So is that why he hasn't welcomed him to the club? Well, that's, that's, that's what Miles Palmer is suggesting. Um... So, so we invest him for a year on the substitutes bench then? Well, it'd be interesting to see how he's handled by the manager. Um, but um, in a way, good to me if the board are saying enough of this not buying people and having faith in Yaya Sonogo, this isn't good enough. Mm. I mean, Gazidis sits there and watches the games home and away. You know, he knows. He, he's not completely stupid. He must have seen Vega go off to the, see the Pope on transfer deadline day. <laughs> he must have thought, well, if well, he's not going to do anything, I'll do something. I, I, did, I did an amusing tweet on yeah. that very subject in which I didn't see what the problem was because divine intervention was the only way Arsenal were going to win the league as long as Vega <laughs> was the manager. <laughs> might be not to retweet that. Yeah. <laughs> Well, what did you think of that, though, Dave? What did you think of Wenger going off to Rome on transfer deadline day? Uh, okay, good cause. Mm. You know, he was asked to referee this match. Great cause, fantastic. You know, all credit to him for that. Yeah. But don't you think he could have just said, "Well, look, I'm in a bit of a precarious situation at Arsenal. They wanted me to spend more money. Mm. The fans are a bit on edge. We've not had a great start to the season." I think I'd better stay in England that day. If only to be seen to be it didn't look trying good. to spend it some money. It didn't look good, yeah. I'm afraid. I know it's all laudable. I know it's world peace, guys. But trust me, Maradona and Baggio being on the same pitch is not going to solve the Arab-Israeli conflict. <laughs> and to be honest, it's a bit like Oswald last year, isn't it? We were in the last chance saloon. Mm. If we'd not signed Sonogo, sorry, um, Welbeck, and as Kev says, 
You know, it might well have been a board decision to do that, you know, over Wenger's head. Mm. And, then, and to be honest, we signed the, the other three players when he was in Brazil. Yeah. We signed yeah. Sanchez, Ospina and maybe not Chambers, but certainly mm. Sanchez and Ospina um, when he was out in Brazil. Well, there was an interesting question on um, onlineguru.com. Um, what was it? Um, under Wenger's new agreement, do you think he's got less responsibility over uh, the ins and outs transfers and that is handled by Dick Law and Gazidis? I mean, yeah. Well, I think the conclusion is after the end of a transfer window, he's got his power back. Uh, yeah. Because frankly, if it was... What were we doing in the last six weeks of the window? I, th- I think the board would have made sure we, we, we had targets and got out and spent the bloody money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I think Gazidis wants to spend the money. Yeah, I do as well. I, I just think Gazidis is, is still shackled. Um, By Wenger? Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, and Kroenke's perfectly happy because Kroenke has no interest in Arsenal winning anything. You know, he, he's just interested in, in the books and the books look good. You know, he's happy with that profit. You know, the, the club will pro- post profit figures again. Mm. Um, a scenario, okay. We finished fifth or sixth this year, which is the, the lowest Wenger's ever finished in his reign. Mm-hmm. What, what are the repercussions for that? Well, I'll give him another year. But he might he might uh, find his contract terminated a year early, mm. because basically one assumes he'll take responsibility for the shortage in quality that would lead to us finishing outside the top four. Mm. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I think we there's a general view that he he would have gone if we didn't win the FA Cup. Yeah, I, I got interviewed by um, Johnny Phillips for his, for the Sky Sports basically, and. Um, he put it to me that if we'd have finished fifth and lost the FA Cup final, would Wenger have still been in charge? And I said, God, that's a, that's a tough call. I don't think he would have been. Yeah. I think if we'd have finished fourth and lost the FA Cup final, yeah, I think he still would yeah. be. But yeah. finish fifth and lose the FA Cup final in May, then mm. I think we'd have gone then. I'm not even sure about finishing fourth and losing the FA Cup final. Right. I think the fans would have made his life so miserable. Yeah. <laughs> to not to beat Wigan on penalties and to not beat Hull City in the cup final yeah, yeah, the yeah. easiest cup final we're ever going to get after Birmingham which we lost yeah. <laughs> I mean I don't think the fans would, would have let him ever forget that I think I think, I think in Wembley 10 years without a trophy I think he'd have been gone it would have yeah. got it would have got uh, if we were going to lose that in the last few minutes of the game I think mm. the, the, the Wenger out calls would have come yeah. yeah, imagine really the atmosphere good. at the end if we'd have lost. Yeah, that. well, it wouldn't have been good. Yeah. No, yeah. Wouldn't have been good. Right, let's move on to the subject of Leighton's book. Um, it is Arsene Wenger's fifty defining fixtures. Um, so, what do we have a recollection of a defining game each during Arsene Wenger's time at Arsenal? Leighton, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, yeah. Cheers for that. Um, basically, yeah. My my favourites are obviously. I mean, you, you, can, you can argue that. There's two eras so far. I'd, I'd like to think there's a third era after May 2014, but the two eras, 96 to 2006, arguably the, the, the Champions League final, mm. and then 2006 until you know May this year. The glory years and the years we struggled, basically. Mm. And a lot of the book is obviously devoted to the glory years because they were a lot more fun. And if you're talking about a particular game, Everton, when we won the league at Highbury, when Bowl played outside, Tony Adams is my all-time favourite Arsenal player. I'm getting goosebumps even talking about it now, <laughs> and it's just... That was just such a glorious day. That was just absolutely fantastic. And um, I tried to uh, depict that as well as I could in the book, basically. But yeah, that's probably my one of my all-time... My, my favourite ever game was um, 4th of March 97, the Little's Cup semi-final replay, when we beat Spurs 2-1 in White. I, I remember that. I was there. I was that was at, yeah, yeah. I'm, really, I'm sure we all went Yes, I did. Yeah, it wasn't... Yeah, it was... I'm sure we went to three, all three of those games, basically. But that's my all-time favourite. But in terms of under Wenger, that Everton game was just... Glorious! It was, mm. it was fantastic. But yeah, there's a few more like that. Obviously, detailed the Invincibles. Talks about cup finals. Just, just great victories against Spurs from '96 to 2014. Um, yeah, um, yes. Well, you don't, you don't have to shoehorn this in. I will do it. <laughs> basically, there will be a competition on the website. Uh, you can get the answer by listening to this podcast. <laughs> Your answer is Mauricio Tarico. Lovely. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, paying to enter that competition, we've just broken three laws. That's absolutely fine. Um, Mr. Ashford, uh, what do you think uh, was the finding game during Wenger's time at Arsenal? Oh, that's a damn very, very good question. There have been loads of them. I would say, I would probably say last year's FA Cup, well, this year's FA Cup final, because if we'd lost that, losing two finals in succession against lower opposition um, I don't think Wenger would have survived that 
So the fact that we won it has kept him in a job. And the other game, I would probably say, was in the 2004 season when we played Liverpool at home and beat them 4-2. Yeah, that's in the perpetual. And we come off three or four bad results, mm-hmm. one of which meant it's going out of Europe. Yeah. I think we yeah. lost to Chelsea. Chelsea yeah. Yeah. And then, he, if I remember right, was it Good Friday? It yeah. was. Yeah, it was, still yeah. 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 And Liverpool scored first and then went 2-1 up. We yeah. did. So we've equalised, yeah. they've gone 2-1 up. And we're all sitting there thinking, oh my God, we're throwing it away again. Just like 2001, just like 99. Uh, it's not going to, just like 2003, in fact, <laughs> when we finished second all these times. Yeah, yeah. Better than United in every season, but finished second. Yeah. So you're, you're thinking 2004, you're thinking, oh no, it's happening all over again. United <laughs> are going to win. We're 10 times better than them. We're 2 1 down to Liverpool. We're out of the Champions League. We're slipping down. We have to win this game. Spoiler alert the resurrection came two days early. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then those brilliant Thierry Henry goals. Oh, yeah. The goal of the century. Yeah. When he's just picked it up, yeah, gone round there, lobbed it in the North Bank. Ah, it, oh, it was magnificent. We wanted <laughs> to win four-two. Mm. To, to me, if we'd, if we'd have lost that game, we would the Invincibles wouldn't have happened. Yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah, I mean, you, yeah. you, you, yeah. you know Highbury inside. Yeah, yeah. I'd yeah. say that was one of the best atmospheres. Yeah, it was, oh, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Highbury yeah. ever. That was fantastic. That was like a cup final winning that game. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant, you know. Mm. That's glorious. That's, uh, if I had to pick one, I'd have to say that. I still remember it as if it was yesterday. Yeah. And also Arsenal Wigan as well. Maybe not. Maybe not Wenger. But the, the last game at Highbury. Yeah, that's in the book as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if we'd have lost that game or drawn oh, it, yeah. what a bummer um, that yeah. And again, Wigan were ahead twice, weren't they? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, indeed. And we came back and won, and my God, what a great day that was. Yeah. Brilliant day. There was, there was a line in the book actually about um, the first ever Arsenal goal scorer at Highbury, Arsenal Leicester, C- Leicester Fossey, I should say, in September 1913. Was Henry King, and I sort of turned it around to say King Henry scored the most. Oh, brilliant! So I just had to add that. Sorry about that. <laughs> and I suppose if we're talking about the 2004 season. We could also say the last home game, Leicester yeah, Leicester's, home. Yeah, that's in the book as well. We were a goal down, for God's sake. We were. Yeah. We were going to throw it away on the last game of the season. Yeah. You know, we were already champions, I think, weren't we? Yes, we the yeah. invincible record was up. Was up. Was was, was maybe not going to happen. Mm. So thank God Absolutely. for that. Great thank choices, God yeah. for that. Yeah. yeah. All in 2004. Yeah. I mean, millions of others. I'll tell you another defining games. Go Was that Northern team in Spain that kept knocking us out of the Champions League? Deportivo. Deportivo. When we, when we had the Invincibles and the 2002 team and the 3 team, you know, every single year, if I remember rightly, Valencia or Deportivo Valencia, knocked us yeah. out. Always yeah. Valencia. Yeah. yeah. And they were in the, in the same league as yeah. us on paper. We were a much better team. Yeah. And so that's a really good choice, actually. Because yeah. I, I was in, I was at the Mestalla in um, 2001 when we got knocked out by yeah. John Carey. Yeah. yeah. And that should have been our year, along with yeah. 2004 in Europe. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's actually in the book as well. It's quite painful writing about it. But yeah, yeah you're absolutely right. Yeah. 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 That should have been our year. Kev, what was your defining game? Well, I'm going to try and pick one that isn't in the book. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know if it is, but um, one I think is sometimes overlooked was uh, a rocky period. We did mention earlier that Steve called for Wenger's head in the autumn of 2001. <laughs> well, that was because, believe it or not, because of those Deportivo defeats. Well, we, we weren't well. I always thought we were thought we're better I think than it, this. I think it was Olympiakos or someone like that that beaten we, us. Uh, we're better than Deportivo. They keep yeah. bloody beating us. Get but, rid of the manager. Uh, I remember there was a period just before... I think the end of November, early December, when everything was up in the air, Wenger hadn't signed a new contract at a time when even I was hoping he would. Um, and uh, we were having a bit of a rocky patch. And uh, we had this game at home to Villa. And I remember us being down, I don't know if it was 2 1 or 2 0, but we ended up winning it in the last minute, 3 2. And it was just felt like in that 2001-2002 season, a bit of a turning point. Because we had either drawn or lost previous matches, except for an isolated win at home to Man United. Um, and we're going through a difficult spell. And then we followed that up by beating Juventus from memory. The Isn't the Council giving planning permission yeah. for the new stadium? And Wenger also announcing that he was he'd signed a new deal. Oh, yeah. So it was just a few things together, but it almost felt like the Villa uh, comeback symbolised a, a turning point mm. in the sequence of events. Yeah. And it was a dramatic game. It was a good game. That's was that the pissing rain and Paul Merson scored the first goal for Villa? Uh, it could have been. Uh, to be honest, my actual memories of the, the match itself are sketchy, to say the least. <laughs> I just remember thinking, uh, as 
time has gone on that, that it was a, it was a sort of cornerstone match yeah. which isn't always remembered yeah. but in the in the course of a season it actually was hugely significant yeah you're absolutely right because the start of that sort of 2001-2002 two, season it was quite in and out we'd lost to Leeds at home 2-1 in early August obviously I think we lost 4-2 to Charlton on the Sunday and we played Man United on the Monday in the League Cup mm. and we beat them 4-0 with both teams fielding reserves but yeah that Villa game was quite crucial and I think we lost to Newcastle the week after mm. 3-1 at home but that was a real if we'd have lost that Newcastle, um, the Villa game no that would have been, that mm. been a run of defeats after that we might have knocked us sideways so mm. that's, a, that's a connoisseur's choice Kevin <laughs> you know rather topically we haven't lost away at Villa for donkey's years can't remember the last Goes. time we lost away at Villa and we're playing them next Saturday. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Well, well thanks for putting the mark on it. Do you, like me, do you ever get a feeling where if you've gone somewhere and you haven't lost for like 10, 12, 14 years, yeah. this is the year? Nothing yeah. lasts forever. Oh, I see, I, exactly, Kev. I've got that feeling this year about Villa. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, last year I was expecting us to lose, we won 2 1. Mm. The season before that, I was expecting us to lose, we drew 0 0. Since before that, expecting us to lose, we won one nil. Yeah. I mean, it can't go on forever. Yeah. Although United seems to win there every year, but. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. But I've got a bad feeling about Villa away this year. Well, before we wrap up, sadly, let's have a, thanks that that cheery point. No, it's <laughs> made my evening. Just, thanks, just a touch of reality. To it. <laughs> if any of you want to phone the Samaritans, yeah. it's oh eight hundred one 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 nine nine nine. Before we wrap up, a word about the current issue of the Guna from our editor. Over to you, Mr. Witcher. Yes, just to explain that um, we need uh, two weekend home matches per issue to uh, sell enough copies to make it uh, worthwhile, and so the current issue is the start of season issue and will be on sale at the Man City game and then we will bring out the second issue of the season for the Southampton Carling, sorry, Capital One Cup match and uh, the Spurs home game that follows as well. Um, the current issue though uh, is well worth buying, it's got uh, in part one of an excellent interview with Perry Groves by Leith who's uh, sitting just across the table and um, it seems so long ago since it's gone to press, I can't even remember what else is in it. But uh, <laughs> I do remember thinking... The Paul Vassar book as well. Oh, there is. Yeah. Fair point, sir, <laughs> yes. And also a, a bit of an article about uh, whether we should have bought Cesc Fabregas or not, which is a topic we never got round to discussing mm. today. But we'll have a quick answer. We should. Right. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're absolutely right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> there we are. So plenty there. £2.50 still, and um, should be available from someone on your route to the ground. Finally, the usual reminder that if you want to email us about anything related to the podcast, our address is gunapodcast at gmail.com. And with that, it's goodbye from Steve. Goodbye. Kevin. Just a quick, uh, I said I'd mentioned Simon Albert uh, when I last saw him because he's the podcast's biggest fan. So uh, goodbye to all, including goodbye Simon. Goodbye, Simon. Yes. Bye-bye, Simon. <laughs> and and Leith. Yeah. And Leith. Cheers. We'll no, be... easy, 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 easy. Okay. We'll be back at the beginning of October with our next offering. When Although... you get to that age, you do sometimes peak oh, <laughs> a bit early. Investor's not here to conduct, is he? Okay. He's our conductor. Okay, listeners, we'll be back at the beginning of October with our next offering. Although we are examining the idea of doing an extra podcast via Skype once a month if there is sufficient interest and indeed available guests. For now, though, this is your host, David Udo, saying goodbye and thanks for listening. la da da la di da di all good friends and jolly good company. Hey!